Good morning, church, gathered here at Pleasant Street Church. The Lord be with you. Thank you. It's a joy to be together. It's a great day. We have so many wonderful things that we're celebrating this morning. We are celebrating baptism, new members, graduates, advancements, and best of all, communion. Now, when I was growing up, I always thought that communion and the Lord's Supper were interchangeable words. They essentially do mean the same thing for the event that takes place when we remember the sacrament of Jesus' death and resurrection. However, then, when I went to Catholic high school, I heard about the Eucharist, and I thought, okay, that must be another word. However, they all have different meanings. The Eucharist means thanksgiving, giving thanks. So when we celebrate the table up here, we are giving thanks. The Lord's Supper is often a time when we remember Jesus' last supper that we celebrate during Lent and Good Friday, Maundy Thursday. And then there's communion. And that's what we're going to celebrate this morning. Communion is, as it sounds, community, the being together, the union, communion. So this morning, we are so excited to celebrate communion because we are a body of church gathered here together at Pleasant Street Church right here in Whitensville. If you are, welcome, if you are gathering with us online, we welcome you as well. It's going to be a great morning. We also have cake to celebrate. Cake and coffee will be served outside after the service as well. Come on in. If you're waiting to come in, I'm just yakking away. <laughs> come on in. All right. I believe that's everything. We have a full packed service this morning. And our entire liturgy is going to be telling the story. And so... Why don't we quiet our hearts now in a time of preparation? God of life, thank you for calling us to belong to something so much bigger than ourselves. Help us to sense that our love for Jesus binds us together. May our worship today be a witness to the kind of unity that comes only through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, I invite you to rise now in body or in spirit. It's our God that welcomes us, and we respond to him in our worship. He calls us to worship, and we respond. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. There is no end to his greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your power. All your works praise you, Lord. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's sing.
When we come into the sanctuary or tune in online, we are greeted by familiar objects, a font, a pulpit, and a table. And usually they match because they go together. These are the things that orient us in our life with God. No matter where we have been this week, these are the things that remind us of who God is and who we are. These are the things that bring us home. And today we have a chance to feast on what all of these things mean for us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, baptism is the sign and seal of God's promises to this covenant people. In baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew us and cleanse us, and to resurrect us to eternal life. We see and hear God's promises of grace in the waters of baptism. Friends, water cleanses, purifies, refreshes, sustains. Jesus Christ is living water. Congregation, baptism is the sign of God's promise to wash us of our sins. It is God's mark on us that we belong in life and death to Jesus. And through baptism, God calls us to live a life of trust in him, to forsake the evil of the world and to live a new and holy life. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to remember with me the amazing promises that God has given to us in baptism. In Genesis, the Lord made this great promise to Abraham. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God calls us to baptize infants as well as adults as part of his covenant family. Like circumcision in the Old Testament, it's God's way of telling us that God will provide a future for the church. It's been a while since we've seen a baptism, and our own baptism might have been a long time ago. In this baptism, God reminds us that God will continue to grow his family here at Pleasant Street and across the globe. But as time went on, God's family was not faithful to the covenant. Through Israel, though Israel was unfaithful, God renewed his own promise in Ezekiel. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more.
This water is just water. But God uses it to show us what he intends to do, what he intends to be true on the inside of each of us. We are inwardly marked with God's own spirit. Just like water removes dirt, the spirit washes away our sin. It opens our eyes so we can understand the Bible. It means that we really are his children. And in the fullness of time, God came in Jesus Christ to give pardon and peace through the blood of the cross. The blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We live on the other side of this historical event. Jesus has died and has risen and reigns with God. Jesus has made you clean. Drink in that good news and be refreshed. After Jesus had risen from the dead, the apostles proclaimed in Acts, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, all those whom the Lord our God will call. And we were far off, far worse off than we could imagine. But God has brought us near through the good news of Jesus. The change is so good and so drastic, we call it a birth. And now the hope is to grow up into the life he's born inside you, inside each of us. We obey the Lord and baptize Isabel just as someone else baptized each one of us. And Paul, in his letter to the Romans, assures us, if we died with him, we will also be raised with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. These are the unfailing promises of God expressed to us in baptism. Promises? that God has put into us too. For many of us, that baptismal water fell on our heads a long time ago. And life can get pretty dry. So we thank God for seeing water on Isabel because it reminds us that God's promises don't dry out on our foreheads. They saturate our hearts. Baptism means cleansing. The waters of baptism call all of us to repentance, to turn around, for they remind us that we must die to sin. Baptism is also the promise of God's new life to us. We die with Christ and are raised with Christ. And so we neither despair of God's mercy nor continue in sin, for baptism is the sign of God's promise of grace to us. Congregation, I ask you once again to reject sin and to profess your own faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, would you rise? Brothers and sisters, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? What is your answer? Yes. 
We do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? We do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciples, obeying his word and showing his love? We will. God helping us. Amen. Let's sing this longing and this hope together. Wash, O God, our sons and daughters. seated. Remembering what God has offered to us through this water, the promises of who he is to us, we now have a chance to see God place these promises upon Isabel. Baptism means cleansing. Baptism means belonging. I invite the Makuchi family to join me up here. Morning, guys. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, take your, take your, you got plenty of room here. <laughs> hey, hi. Good to see you guys. Dave and Emily, we celebrate with you today God's gift of grace with joy. As a family, by presenting Isabel for baptism, you announce your love for Jesus Christ, your eagerness to share in the life of Christ's church and your commitment to live as his disciple in the world. I ask you and the congregation of which you are a part to profess your faith. Ready? Ready. <laughs> Good. Emily, do you promise to instruct Isabel in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, to pray for her, to teach her to pray, and to train her in Christ's way by your example, through worship, and then in the nurture of the church. I do, God helping me. Dave, do you promise to support Emily and to nurture this family as much as you are able in the promises that she makes today? Congregation, what do you promise? We promise to accept Isabel 
as a member of God's household. We will love Isabel, pray for her, and nurture her faith in our covenant-keeping God. Amen. Friends, in Isabel's baptism, God reminds us that while we were helpless, God claimed us too. Congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, just as God places his mark on Isabel, so too does God renew his claim on you. Come on over, come on over. Are you ready? Isabel Joy Makuchi, I baptize you in the name of the Father. And in the Son. And in the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessing for you. Ready? You want to get up? Yeah, we can get up. That's fine. That's more comfortable anyway. For you, Isabel, God created the world. For you, Jesus Christ was born into the world. For you, he lived a holy life. For you, he entered the shadows of Gethsemane and the terrors of Calvary. For you, he died and was raised from the dead. For you, he is seated at the right hand of God, praying. And for you, he is coming again. All of this he did for you, little one, though you know nothing of it yet. Which is why we, along with your parents, promise to teach you this story until you can make it your own. For in this, the gospel is made true. We love because he first loved us. A blessing for you guys. And the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord put his name upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Friends, join me. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to receive Isabel into Christ's church. I charge you to nurture and love her and to teach her to be Christ's faithful disciple. Together, we welcome her in love. We will pray for her parents. We will nurture Isabel in the life to the glory of God, empowered by his spirit. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Lord, look with kindness upon these parents. May they ever rejoice in the gift that you have given them today. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Isabel and all their kiddos to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Amen. So you have a new member, and with mom and dad's permission, I would love to introduce all of you to her. So would you rise as you're able, and let's sing. Do you guys want to come with me?
Welcome to the family, Isabel. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Baptism means cleansing. Baptism means belonging. Baptism is God's mark also of a calling to live as priests in the world. And so today, we also uh, get to celebrate and welcome people who are embracing and living out of their own baptismal identity in becoming professing members of our congregation, Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, along with Isabel, we welcome into the church's fellowship those who wish to confess their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. Like Isabel, when they were baptized, God made clear his claim on them as his own, and they were received into the church. Rick, Leanne, Rick, where'd you go? There you are. <laughs> I told you guys you could sit wherever, and I didn't realize I wouldn't be Let's try that again. Rick, Leanne, Rick, Trevor, Alice, Emily. At your baptisms, you were marked as members of Christ's church. It is our joy to welcome all of you today as members of this congregation. We believe that the Holy Spirit has led you to this congregation at this time for your good and for ours. We sense God, gifts that God has given to all of you. We welcome you in the sharing of your gifts for our encouragement. We will share our gifts with all of you for yours. It's in this giving and receiving we hope God's church will be built up and grow. Would you guys come and join me up front? Friends, we invite you now to affirm your faith in Jesus and express your commitment to the life of this church and to the mission that God has given us. In the presence of God who loves you and these people who love you too, please respond to the following questions. 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior sent to redeem the world and the one who saves you from your sin? Do you believe the Bible is God's word revealing Christ and his redemption? Do you believe that the teachings of this church reflect that revelation? Rick? Friends, do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to each of you in your baptism? And do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? Rick? Friends, do you promise to do all that you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of this church, honoring and submitting to its authority? And do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? Rick? You would think we practiced that. It was wonderful. Rick, Rick, Leanne, Alice, Trevor, Emily, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the full participation in the life of this church. I welcome you to its responsibilities, to its joys, and to its sufferings. Thanks be to God. I have a charge for all of us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. I have another blessing for all of you. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Friends, let's welcome them. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. There you go. should say, too, in our transitional note here that all these special circumstances give us opportunities to give gifts, which is wonderful. Baptism means cleansing, it means belonging, and it means calling. Friends, all of these promises are for all of us, and the faith that we believe is our own would you rise and let's say that faith together? Say the Apostles' Creed. Together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born
be seated. Good morning. I'm Kate Martinka, and I'm the director of Children's Ministries. And I'm going to ask my new third grade friends to come up here so I'm not as nervous. Come on up. <laughs> ben, Avery, Nick, Jacob, come on up. Join me. So in case you weren't aware, even when we were not meeting here in this building, Children's Ministry was going strong. With a team of wonderful volunteers, we were sharing lessons and crafts and all sorts of fun things by video and by mail. And we ended that video, those video lessons, by doing the worship workshop, which was based on this You're Invited. And we shared it with all the kids, but we especially wanted our new third graders to learn and grow. So some of the things that our new third graders learned was that the Lord's Supper is an invitation from Jesus. And they learned that the Lord's Supper is a way to see, smell, taste, touch, and hear God's love. It's a very special gift, and it's a way to remember what Jesus has done and a reminder that we belong. Congregation, please join me in our charge to these children. This is the word of the Lord. Learn his stories and study his words. His stories belong to us all. They tell us who we are. They tell us that we are the people of God. We rejoice in this step in your journey with God. We pray that God will continue to guide you in learning about him through his word. The word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thanks be to God. That's such a fun thing to see. I have my third grade Bible from this church that I still use on a daily basis. Um, God calls us to baptism. Through that baptism, he allows us to be the church, the family of God. And we get to present Bibles, and we get to recognize other milestones. In your bulletin today, you see a whole list of graduates um, I'm going to ask our high school graduates to come forward. Can we also have all of our college and our grad school graduates just stand where they are for just a second? And let's recognize them and the hard work that they have put in. Our, our high school graduates. Yeah. <laughs> we reckon, recognize these milestones because they are little signposts on the way that tell us that God has been faithful. And so we get to uh, be part of that faithfulness together. So 
Congregation, what is our prayer for these graduates? Surround them with your spirit as they go forward with new eyes to see your work in their lives and the lives of all those they encounter. Help them to listen to your voice and respond to your love. Help them to know that no matter where life leads them, you will be with them. They get better at that as they get older, don't they? <laughs> Thanks be to God for sure. You want to hand them out? So each of the graduates are being presented with a copy of Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. We pray that you take these with you wherever God calls you next and use them on your journey. So whether you're in this building or somewhere else in the country or in the world, we can continue to support you as a congregation. We love you. We're proud of you. Congratulations, guys. Let's stand and sing our dedication as we offer our lives to the Lord.
members of this body here at this church. And so in that spirit of community, let's greet each other. The peace of Christ be with you, friends. Let's greet each other. What a morning already. Much to be thankful for. As we sang earlier, God, you are so good. Amen to that, right? For those of you that don't know me, my name's Steve. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here to pray with you this morning. Would you join me? Father God, we are so grateful that you've brought us another day to celebrate your goodness to us. You are so good. We've seen in baptism this morning, once again, a visible sign of your promises to cleanse us and make us part of your family. May we welcome Rick Rick and Leanne, Trevor and Alice, Dave and Emily and Isabel, their families, with the same open arms that you extend to each of us. We ask, Lord, that you cover and protect them, surround them with your promises and grace, and fill them with joy. We're also so grateful this morning, Lord, to celebrate so many graduates from moving to third grade, to high school, college, and beyond. What a wonderful blessing you have been to each of them through all the stages of life they've had thus far. May you continue to bless each of them as they go forward. Lord, some in our family have been ill, and we ask for your continued presence, care, and healing for Henny, Len, Carol, Brian, and any others who need you, our true healer, to be with them today. You are so good. Lord, as we begin to move into what could be seen as a post-pandemic time, we thank you for the blessings you've shown to so many, yet mourn for those that have been lost. As we open up to some level of new normal, may we continue to be gracious to one another during this ongoing transition. Lord, you continue to provide grace. For in this past week, that which we've done wrong has been forgiven. And for that which we've done right, we give thanks to your spirit. Lord, as Pastor Matthew brings your word to us now this morning, bless him as he speaks. Open our hearts and minds to hear from you. 
in joyous expectation of what you will do, for you are so good. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4, um, some various verses, and it's about love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. This is how love is made. I'm sorry. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. For he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a pocket here. There we go. Good to be with you, friends. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today we are so happy for all of the special things that you have shown us. Jesus, you lived a long time ago, but your words are still very special and important to us. And they teach us how to live, teach us how to read them, and give us your own Holy Spirit to know what they mean for us so that when we leave this place, we can show other people how good you are. Amen. Today we've managed to trot out most of the distinctive things about us as Christians. I mean, church is always special, and amen, and set apart, but today is almost another category entirely. We've set out the distinctive clothes, and just in time for a heat wave, We've baptized Isabel, we've welcomed professing members, we've honored our third graders, increasing capacities, we've recognized a major milestone in the life of our graduates. We're going to take communion, and later there's cake. <clears throat> it's a full day to be sure, but not just full. Distinctive. Perhaps you're finding, like I am, that any one of these things that we have just done together is becoming more distinctive as the time goes by. I mean, take baptism, for instance. It's becoming a rather unusual mark. 
I mean, I am sure that I learned this in American history class, okay, but I have forgotten that once upon a time, in this country, you had to be baptized to own land. 250 years ago, to be a freeman, you had to be marked by several things. You had to be male, you had to be white, you had to be a baptized member of a church. In other words, baptism in the Massachusetts Bay Colony was a symbol of power. Baptism in 21st century New England <laughs> is a countercultural statement. It is a pledge of allegiance to King Jesus, who bought me. I've always been struck by something that the theologian John Stott said about being baptized into church. He said that outside of church, we go through life acting like I am the master and the people around me are the slaves who are there mostly to do what I want. But through baptism, we die to that way of life and we are raised up into a new community and a new value system where, in fact, I become a slave with lots of masters around me. Well, that's the distinctive mark that God just put on Isabel. That's not the only thing that sets us apart today. I mean, a little while ago, some of you took vows. You made promises to join up. You chose to belong to it. Well, now that is something, isn't it? I mean, 20 years ago, if you wanted to do something radical in your following of Jesus, if you really wanted to deepen your faith, what did we all do? We went on missions trips. A service trip could broaden our world. It could deepen our faith. It's still really, really formative. I would wish it for everyone. But today, well, anybody might travel and serve the poor or build orphanages or help farmers. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. It's not that it's no longer a good or important thing. It's just that it's not that distinctive. Yeah, but do you know what it is? Joining a church... <laughs> Willingly submitting yourself to someone else's authority, promising to share in the joys as well as the sufferings and the financial burdens of a community of people who think and look and act differently from you, all in order to deepen your faith and your devotion to Jesus, man, that's pretty wild. Well, this is not even to mention how distinctive what we do every week is when we hear the Bible read aloud, when we take communion together, or the Eucharist. Right, when we, when we uh, hear this story, afterwards we say, this is the word of the Lord, and you say, thanks be to God. And what we're saying is, actually, I don't get to write my own life story. I have been defined by the story God has written about Jesus. That's what we're saying we do not read the Bible every week so that eventually the story becomes about us. We read it over and over and over again until we become about it. In fact, we don't just read it, we have to eat it. We have to take it into ourselves or we cannot live like we take food or bread and wine. And I think that as distinctive as these things are, we will find that they are becoming more unusual as the world around us continues to change. Which 
in fact, puts us in good company with most of the very first Christians. Did you know that? Christians like the ones that John is writing to today. For there in the city of Ephesus, the Christians that John is writing to are, as we always are, trying to figure out what sets us apart in the world around us. John tells us that for all the unique things about our churches, our baptismal liturgies, our songs and hymns, our distinctive clothing, our well-crafted mission statements, our prayers, our actions, the most distinctive mark about us is how we treat each other. It is our love for each other. Love expressed in our willingness to act toward each other in the way that God has acted toward us. In forgiveness. In kindness. In generosity. Beloved, John writes, let us love one another, for love comes from God. John calls them dear friends, but the Greek word, Greek word is literally loved ones. Loved ones love each other, for love comes from God. You don't have to read too far in this letter to get the sense that John really would like us to love each other. He keeps saying it over and over again. Yeah, but for John, not John Lennon, but John, love has a very specific definition. Right? God, or more specifically, how God acts toward us. God is love, the apostle writes, and love looks like Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, who gave himself up for us, an atoning sacrifice while we were yet sinners, that we should be called children of God, beloved of God, love one another. John's pretty adamant. Love is the most distinctive thing about church. Our mutual love for each other is what describes us because God's immense love for us is what defines us. And that means that we are a people who only know God as well as we have capacity to forgive. In the early church, people often talked about the baptismal font as a womb and baptism as a birth. Those prepared for baptism literally went in naked. They came clothed, they removed their clothes, they went into the water, they came up out of the water, and they received white robes after their baptism. We didn't do that to Isabel, don't worry, Isabel. But the symbol is still there. To be baptized means to take off what you came in with, both physically, but more importantly, spiritually. We take off Grudges, familiar as they might be, we have to. After all, how can you love someone else if, spiritually speaking, speaking, most of the time we walk around dressed like we've never done anything wrong? But here we remember that we are all sinners, and God sent his Son, and at great, immeasurable cost to himself. God made things right between us. God made the first move in the standoff between us and him. God washed us. God welcomed us home. God put a robe on our tattered soul. 
And we love only ever by mimicking what we've seen our Father do for us. Sometimes the cost is high for us too, but never higher. Sometimes we do take the initiative, but only because God went first with us. Sometimes we might have to reach a long and uncomfortable and vulnerable way out there for a brother or a sister, but never nearly as far as God has reached for us. Dear friends, Beloved ones, this is what it means to know and rely on the love that God has for us. It is to love because you have received love. For a glass can only spill what it contains, and we can only share what we have received. And John says that we receive the love of God through his spirit. It is that spirit that fills us up with the knowledge and wonder of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, filling us not just once, but over and over again with the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who poured out his life for you until we know deep in our own life that we live in him and he lives in us. John never quite mentions baptism, not directly, but it seems that for John there is always water in the background, the waters of baptism in which we have been all marked and washed and called children of God. We live drenched in the love of God. Tish Harrison Warren is a writer whom I have come to love, and she's a priest in the Anglican tradition, and she once said that for all of the distinctive things in the churches that she's been a part of, for all the different kinds of worship songs and styles and churches that she has ever known, for all of what Christianity has done to love people in the world through humanitarian aid, the things that seem most distinctive to her about Christianity are the ordinary ways that ordinary people love each other. I am glad the church builds wells in developing countries, she writes, but secular, non-governmental organizations do that just as well. For me, the allure of my Christian community is in its quiet, ordinary goodness, the silent ways I watch people care for each other, week in and week out. The young man who gives an elderly friend a ride, the woman who meets over coffee to pray and talk with strangers, the new mother that I get to visit to bless her newborn and drop off a baby blanket knitted by an older lady in our church, the meal team who will drop by her house with soups and casseroles, and her fellow church members who will check in on her to see how she's doing. These small stories of love are what makes a life, a family, a community. And these are the small stories happening here, stories of grace that we want Isabel to see, of brothers and sisters born of grace and growing up into a way of life coordinated by the Holy Spirit of God. For here we take off the beautiful and the painful things about us in order to be submerged with Christ until every hatred is drowned here we are raised with Christ in the waters of grace and a joyful new kind of life where there is always more than enough and plenty to share. 
There are times when I hear you admit a wrong, when I see you choose not to hold it against each other, when you've taken a detour for a stranger, when you've given generously to people who could never pay you back, it occurs to me that these are times when I notice something very distinctive. Someone, actually. There are times when I look at you, and you remind me just a little bit like Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we are so happy today for all the good news that you have given to us that we get to see pictures of it in water and in each other, that we get to sing it and hear it and say it, and now, oh God, that we get to eat it together. Some of us will get to take the bread and the juice maybe for the first time today. Help us to know what it means. And for those of us who have come to see just how badly we need it all of the time, feed us for what we do not have on our own. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Home stretch. You guys okay? You need a stretch break? It's warm in here. Friends, this is God's table. He has prepared it, and whether you are around this one or around your own at home, this is the table of the Lord. He is the one who has done everything that is needed for it. Everything is ready, and so we'll take it together. And because today we are making room, especially for some of our new or younger folks who have gone through work to prepare, especially to take communion, we're changing our baptismal liturgy a little bit together. So if you are going to join us in the supper, hopefully you should have received one of these single-serve containers on your way in. The bottom side has juice in it. The top has a small wafer of bread. And these things are just a little bit of bread, and they're a little bit of juice. But because God is here, God turns them into a great big meal of faith, and we get to go away full. Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Set your hope on God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We thank you, O God, creator of all. You gave us life and loved us before we even knew you. We thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ. His death freed us from sin. His resurrection gives us new life. His return will bring us to live in your house forever. We thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. May your spirit make this bread and this cup a holy meal of faith. Amen. That's right. There you go. All right, you guys are up. Next, can you pull up next question there? Whoop. Um, hmm. Curious. That was inevitable. Yeah, there we go. Thank you so much for the, the there we go. Thanks, everyone. Keeping us together. Ready? Together, please. Why do we come to this table? We come to this table because Jesus invited us here. To remember him, Jesus tells us to eat this bread uh, and to drink this cup in faith and to keep doing this until he comes back. 
How is this meal different from all others? In this meal, God tells us that our sins have been completely forgiven through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus' body was broken and Jesus' blood was shed. God also tells us that the Holy Spirit makes us one with Christ and through Jesus, one with all other Christians. Where did this meal come from? Let us all together, young and old, familiar and new, remember the story of how this meal began. On the night before Jesus was arrested, he was eating with his disciples. Like always, he took some bread, thanked God, and broke it. But on this last night with his friends, he added some wonderful words. This is my body, which is given for you. Eat this and remember me. When he had finished eating, he took a cup, and he said, this cup I'm excited too. This cup makes us sons and daughters in Jesus' blood. Drink this and remember me. So now, following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this cup, the ordinary things of the world, which Christ has made special. And so even today, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember Jesus' death until he comes again. And what do we say together? More faith. This table. Together, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Come then, people of God, to the joyful feast of our Lord. Come, for all is ready. Would you pray with me? Loving God, you made this world marvelous for us to enjoy. You gave us Jesus to be our Savior, Lord, and friend, and to bring us to you. You send your Spirit to make us one family in Christ. May we know your presence in the sharing of this bread, and through your word, may we know the power of your salvation. We celebrate because Jesus shared his life with disciples and shared it with the church through the centuries and shares it with us now. Make us one in Christ and one with each other through this meal. Amen. Brothers and sisters, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Go ahead and please open the top here. If you need some help, you can ask a neighbor or mom and dad. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. When you're ready, go ahead and turn your, your, uh, your cup over. This one's a little bit trickier. It's okay to ask for help. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Amen.
Let's give thanks together. Please join me for your amazing sacrifice that has made us clean and forgiven and free together. Thank you, Jesus. For this bread and wine that helps us remember your amazing love for us, we thank you, Jesus, for making us part of your body, the church. For blessing us so that we can bless others in the world. Friends, God who has brought us here, who has marked us with his story, who has fed us, but now sends you out blessed into the world. Would you rise and receive it? Friends, may the God who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. Amen. Let's go singing.